This is Gateway City Sports. fans and welcome back to another episode of turning two it's going to be episode number five um and and actually on this episode i have turned the tables and uh ron is actually joining me this time so ron how is the weather in your neck of the woods tonight oh weather report i'm used to doing this on my shows uh and it's gonna it is gonna be strange for me uh matt and i'm gonna have to get used to like no 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 I'm the guest. Shut up. Answer the question. So I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll try to change behavior on the fly here. Uh, weather. It's pretty nice. It's starting to turn a corner down here. We were 64 today, I think was the high. Um, Tomorrow is going to be about 61-ish, and then it'll get up in the 70s, I think, starting on Wednesday. So it's, it's pretty typical uh, down here for this time of year that, um, you know, our spring's seem to arrive and be a little bit more consistent than probably what you're used to in the Midwest. I mean, I live there, you know, my first 34 years practically. So I was used to that kind of yo-yo weather where they tease you with 70 degree weather one day and then it's 48 the next. So it's just a little more consistent when the warm weather finally arrives. And what's the allergens like out there? I know that today I am on the struggle bus. Um, we get this weird thing uh, down here. I'm sure it's all over down in the Southeast. We get this kind of yellow dust pollen just builds up this, this yellow dust it, it's it's terrible i'd never seen it until i i moved down here um but yeah well, it, pretty soon within the coming weeks we'll get this kind of yellow dusting and you'll see it on your cars in the morning and mm-hmm. any patio furniture anything you have and it's it, it does wreak havoc if you have issues with allergies uh it's a it's a tough month or two before that stuff finally starts to wash away yeah. Um, well i i was actually thinking about it tonight i remember uh last year at this time i remembered having all of the COVID symptoms and starting to freak out a little bit. And then reminding myself that, man, I got allergies extremely bad during this time. Let's, let's take a step back, take a deep breath and understand that maybe you're not dying. (laughs) You know how many people probably went through the exact same thing. They just got a common cold and they're like, raise their hands up. I'm like, this is it. I've got it. You know, finally, um, my wife and I went through the same thing. We had a, uh, and, and I usually get seasonal type of things too, especially when the weather goes from like, anywhere humid to dry i mean it just destroys um my sinuses and that's exactly what happened to both of us in november and we thought we're like because we have kids that go to school in daycare we're like inevitably we're not gonna be able to avoid it forever and and we thought that was our time but it ended up uh gone within a day or so and it, it definitely wasn't covid because we didn't have any of the typical symptoms well that's good you know i'm, I'm, I'm glad but hey it's heating up and, and we don't have to bundle up anymore thank goodness i'm uh i, I was tired of it as it is um have you 
I, I, let's just jump. Let's just jump right into it. Well, have you been able to catch any games yet? Or I do. You know, working home uh, during the day, I've been lucky enough to have at least if there's not an intense thing going on from one to four, I'm able to catch some of it. And I've got where I live, I live out of market. So I have MLB.tv. So when I'm able, I can go watch the condensed game too. And the condensed game is just every play, whether it's a strikeout or a ground out, it's kind of runs through a game in maybe 20 minutes on average. And so I do get to catch a lot. I don't get to catch everything. And I'll, I'll be, I'll be fully honest with you in spring training after the first couple of weeks of games, I really struggled to drum up interest in the last two weeks. Um, this has all consistently been the toughest time for me. If you've listened to any of the other shows, I am just struggling that last couple of weeks of spring training because I just want the real, I want real games to start. Um, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's kind of where I'm, I'm at. To, I'm able to catch them on and off, but I, you know, since working from home has actually played to that advantage a little bit, I'm able to catch more than I typically do. Yeah. And I mean, that, and that's, that's, that's kind of like the reason why I haven't been pushing out anything. I mean, there's just, to me, you know, there's just so much that's not happening and, and the, the shuffle of the lineup constantly. And, you know, you're getting three, four innings out of your stars the first couple of weeks. It's good to see everybody back. But then again, in the broad aspect of things, it doesn't really mean much, you know, I mean, outside, you know, I, I won't mention any names or anything, but you know, there's a certain somebody that's hit a couple bombs the past couple games that, that has really uh, opened my eyes as of recent. But um I mean, other than that, you know, you just have your 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 looming issues with a couple of players that um, I hope they turn around. But you know, again, it is spring training, and um, even Nolan Arenado is hitting two twenty something. So I mean, it's nothing to write home about. But also, these guys that are hitting sub one hundred, just a hair over one hundred, it's got to be concerning for um, a few people. Yeah, it really is. You you, you know. If you look at both ends of the spectrum here, I mean, your eyes go right to, you know, the slash eye of somebody like Tyler O'Neill. And I, look, I, I don't know. I, I know this is kind of like we, we jumped on here a little bit last minute. But I, I would love to look at his spring stats or early year. I'm glad, um, I'm glad you brought that up because oh, I did this the it. other day. I did okay, this the cool. other day. Um, I, I got into a, a conversation with somebody who said, this is Tyler O'Neill. You know, this is what he does. He's going to be batting 150 um, at some point in May. And I said, you know, hold up, hold up. So I, I went into the OPS stat because for, for whatever reason, the uh, the website that I was on was only pulling that up. Right. And um, his previous two spring trainings, he was sitting at 840 and 860 on his OPS. Yeah. And um I'm like, okay, you know, that's, that's average, you know, for him, if he's, if he's floating around there, that's cool. So then I bumped ahead into this year's and he was at, um, you know, 1200 something. And I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe something has clicked for him. And so then I, you know, I tried to compare a couple other people and, and, you know, as of last night, whenever I looked at it, he was at like one point, uh, Oh, something. And, um, his batting average was, was starting to come down to earth at like three ninety something. So, um, I, I have, I honestly, God, I have high hopes for what's taking place for Tyler O'Neill currently. Um, if we can get this pushed into the regular season, you know, there's our five hole hitter right there. And, uh, but that, that's just, that's just the numbers that I looked at was the OPS and and you know if if you're pushing out the 840 860 in consecutive years and then all of a sudden you know 
we're sitting somewhere else in 2021, you know, maybe he's seeing something or, or, or different pitchers or, or something that, that he's been able to get a hold of. But at the same time, it, it makes you wonder if maybe in the offseason something has finally clicked with him. You there? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. You must have uh, like, like fizzled on me just for a second there. Um, look, at, with, with Tyler O'Neill, I'll, 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 I'll come clean on my, my view on him. I, I had written him off literally in, in, in the winter. And I think I had maybe the last season as well. Um, I really believe that we were just getting another version of Randall Grichik. Um, you know, big, strong kid, but just can't figure out um, his strategy at the plate. Uh, you know, getting beat by off-speed pitches, um, you know, that that outer half of the plate, anything off-speed, I just I just don't know if he's going to figure it out. And so I, I had written him off, and I hope I'm wrong. And, and I genuinely mean that. Um, I stand more to gain by being wrong, usually, when I'm making baseball predictions than I, than I do being right. So I, I, I like what I see. I like how he came out of the gate in 2020, to be honest with you. Over those first few weeks, I thought he was taking different bats. I thought he looked good. And then, of course, you know, he's not in the starting lineup when yeah. it come, come playoff time, and neither was Harrison Bader most of the time. So it just kind of tells you, like, when, you know, the, when the rubber meets the road, right, the manager's going to put the best team out there. And those two guys weren't in that starting lineup very often. Yeah, um, well, and, I mean, I think a lot, a lot of Tyler O'Neill's issues is consistency. And, and we've seen that with other players that um, have gotten full-time opportunities elsewhere that um, San Luis has passed on. And – I'm hoping that, like I said, I hope, I hope this is the player that we are seeing moving into um, the full 2021 season, because I think, I mean, he's a huge asset and and it's kind of a, a game changer for the Cardinals lineup. If Tyler O'Neill is what we are seeing right now. I mean, obviously we're not going to yeah. see the 500 average. I mean, if we do, okay, pull your Ted Williams out, let's play ball. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. So, I mean, let, let's, have him come down to 275, 280, you know, and, and I'm, I'm fine with that. I am absolutely fine with that. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I mean, any of us would take, we'd take a 250 average out of him if we knew it was going to come, right? If we could, we could, if we could uh, place a bet or get a guarantee that he's going to hit 250, 260, we'd all take it because he's never been there before. Not, 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 you know, not over an extended look. Um, but you know what, uh, Matt Nils, what I think it might help him is that you have two big bats in the middle of that order now. That, they don't have to rely on him mm-hmm. to be that middle person, right? They don't have to. I think they want to, and rightfully so. Um, but you know, the Cardinals outfield batted seven, eight, you know, six, seven, eight, seven, eight, nine a lot last year. I guess seven, eight, nine because they had the DH. But um, you know, I think that by simply having a couple big bats in the middle of that order, I think that is going to help him. Um, you know, he didn't have that last year. You know, truncated year. I get it. It was short. You know, Ozuna was there the year before, but he wasn't that great. Very, very, you know, streaky hitter. I just think that some of the pressure will be, well, I mean, he might have a different type of pressure, um, but I think is what's showing up in that lineup every day. I think maybe he has a little bit less this year. Um, and then he might have a little bit more. I know that sounds crazy, but, you know, this is like his make or break year as far as his career with the Cardinals, I think. So, um, look, so far, so good. This is exactly what you want to see a player doing. In spring training, they're making the most of the opportunity. This is what you want to see. And so I went to the 
I went to the, the, the high end of the spectrum right now and say, look, this, these are numbers that stand out. You know, his slash line is great. His numbers look good. Um, I know his strikeout rates a little bit up. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm a little bit torn on that one. Cause at times I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm tired of guys going up there looking for walks, taking pitches that they can hit and then whiffing on pitches that they can't. Um, I'd, I'd rather him go down swinging sometimes uh, and trying. Uh, so look, so far so good, man. I, I've liked what I've seen from him. Um, of course, we're all like going into that being a little circumspect. Like, is he going to be able to carry that through in the major leagues facing a major league rotation? And, and that once the league adjusts to him, whatever adjustments he's made, how's he going to respond to that? And I think that's the question that the Cardinals want answered. And so do we as fans, you know, what do we really have in this kid? Um, so we'll see. I think he's going to be in the opening day lineup and I, I, he's probably going to be, you know, five or six in the order. I predict, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, that's where, I mean, if he, if, 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 if in the, if it, in the next 10 days, if he just doesn't go, I mean, hell he could go over 15 at the plate and still be better off than some. Um, but I, I think at this point in time, you got to look at the numbers and say, man, you've got to give this kid a chance. Actually, you gotta, you gotta, throw him out there and say hey let's let's see what you can do whenever the regular season hits um and i and i think that's what they're going to do i mean if if they go another route i'm going to be questioning the manager at that point in time and i don't really want to do that because um i think tyler o'neill needs this opportunity he needs day-to-day play uh needs a consistency and uh i think i think we can get a, a like you said the, the the player that we saw at the very first part of the season I mean, with with his lack of plate appearances towards the end of the sixty game season, I think he still tied or led the team in home runs. So, and he got a gold glove out of it too, right? Uh, you don't necessarily need out of your left fielder. I get uh, it. Yeah, I mean, it's it is what it is. But yeah. I think I think that we, I think that he needs that, and and I think we would see a good player. And if we, like, like you said, 250, 260, if we get that out of him, I'm all for it. I'm absolutely all for it. And we'll take and run better than the 150 that we saw last year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, you know, look, I, I was, I was, I'm, I'm guilty of at the end of 2020. I'm like, okay, I've seen enough of them. Yeah, um, but kind of how our minds go though. Uh, you know, we, we yeah. see something over and over and we're just getting done with it. But well, uh, I, think, I think we've seen different versions of him, right? We've, yeah. We saw, we've seen Randall Grichik. We've seen, you know, at times uh, Harrison Bader is, can be a, you know, what I think is, I don't know, him and Matt Carpenter may be fighting for this title in my mind, but I, I think Harrison Bader has been one of the most polarizing players that the Cardinals have had in a long time, at least, at least as far as, as fans go. Well, I'm, uh, uh, let's, let's just, let's head first into it. What, what are you doing right now? What are you doing with that right now? I mean, what do you do? Oh boy. I mean, I don't know. Here's, here's what I said. I'll stick to my guns. And I, I think I said this, I don't, I don't know, Matt knows I can't keep inventory of what the hell I've said on, on each and every podcast or what I've posted down. But look, I, I think with Harrison Bader at this point, he's probably going to get the nod, right. To, to, to go into opening day as, as the Cardinal center fielder, because, and I only say it because I don't think anybody else has really stepped up and made that decision for Mike Schultz. Um, and I think until somebody else does, until somebody else has a performance that's so above and beyond, like can't miss, I, I think that's who he's going to go with. I think that's who the front office wants to go with. They put a lot of faith in in Harrison Bader. You know, they they, they think he's a part of the future. And it, I think they felt that way for many years. They're just waiting for him to arrive. And 
unless Lane Thomas or Justin Williams or Austin Dean or somebody else just says, no, you can't keep me out of the lineup. I don't, I just don't see it happening. So I think he's going to get the first crack at it. Uh, whether he holds on to it or not is. Yeah. Amazing. I don't, I don't know how long that leash will be. Honestly. I mean, you can't, you, you can't essentially have two, two pitchers in your lineup. I mean, one, right. That's what it would be to me is another pitcher with, Oh, well, we're not, we're not sure where we're going to get out of him. And, um, I don't know. I, 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 talked, I talked to Kyle Reese a few weeks ago. I had him on uh, Buffalo Feathers and Two Birds. And I think he scared pretty good, you know, because I, I, at times I've really seen Harrison Bader still having a role in the team because he's got other skills, right? It's not mm-hmm. just his bat. He's got, you know, stellar defense. He's really fast. And I'm like, you know, bring him in as a pinch runner late in the game, defensive replacement. Um, you know, I, I could see a role for him and, and, and Kyle's right. He said, yeah, but he's a stupid base runner. I'm like, <laughs> so you're right. He is, he's excitable and he's just not, you know, he's not, uh, if you could, uh, take Yachty or Albert's brain and put it in that speed, a, a, a body with that type of speed, you'd have like a dynamic base runner, but he's, he, you know, he's absolutely right. He's excitable and he doesn't always make the right call. Um, I don't think he's at the point yet in his career. You know, look, he's better than I, I ever dreamed of being, but the game still hasn't slowed down for him, right? You still see him make those mental errors. I, I look, it, the skills are all there, right? It's just, can he manage that 12 inches above his shoulders? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, a lot, I think that's a lot of it is, he, you know, he wants to be a great caliber player. And, you know, maybe he's doing too much at a time and maybe he just needs to step back and say, hey, you know, I just need to do what I can. You know, everybody else is going to form around me. And maybe, right. maybe that's something that uh, the the addition of uh, Arnado will do for him sooner or later, just knowing his role. He doesn't have to be the player that he was in the minor leagues hitting homers, you know. And uh, Like, we don't I, need I, you to be a Mookie Betts, man. We need you to get on base and use that speed, right? That speed does us no good if you're not on base. You know, play the defense you're capable of playing. Great. Um, but, you know, he – we don't need to have him batting two through five for power. And I think once he realizes that, Matt knows, I think I could be wrong, but he's not a Mookie Betts. No. So no. I, think, I think once he realizes that he's a, he's a role player, he fits in a role here. And we'd all, right, right? Would you not love to see him make more contact and bat leadoff? Oh, yeah. You all love it. Well, but. and like I, me and you talked about it last year, some point in time about how with the DH and play, you know, you have Harrison Bader batting ninth. He's essentially a leadoff hitter down there too. So I think, you know, it's not in play this year, obviously, but uh, I, I think that, that he is, he needs to be that, that bridge to the leadoff hitter, which would probably be Tommy Edmund at this point in time, but he needs to be that bridge because we're, we're you know, we're, we might get a few hits out of our pitchers. You don't expect a lot of offense out of it. And uh, we need that gap. We need the full lineup to, to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for to become, you know, complete. I guess if you will, um, I think all in all, we have a very deep lineup. Especially if Tyler O'Neill does not shy away from what he's doing right now, we have a very deep lineup. And you know, Yachty is Yachty, and he will get what he needs done. Um, you still have the homer and potential out of DeYoung. And if Tyler O'Neill does not change things, we're looking at a very good one through seven. If Harrison Bader comes around, you know, and, and, and shocks us all one through eight is going to look really good. And 
you know, hopefully the pressure comes off of him a little bit and he can start doing what he did at the end of last season. I thought Harrison Bader was shutting people up there for a minute. And um, that that's what I would like to see through and through for a whole season, you know, not just flashes in the pan. And I tell you what, though, when you, you know, when your discipline isn't at the level where it needs to be for a, you know, every day, every year, major league player, like good pitching staffs will expose that in a heartbeat. Well, and, and you'll see, I mean, you see that with, it's not just Harrison Bader and it's not just young Cardinals players league wide, right? Like when it's, when it's not there, good teams will, will expose that quick. I mean, we saw the Cardinals get exposed in 2019 against the nationals, right? Well, um, you saw, you saw guys like Matt Adams, you know, once they figured out that, that that slider away was just his kryptonite. Yeah, kryptonite. He was, he was done for. And if Harrison Bader can step up to the plate and just, you know, if they if they, I think what they need to focus on now with him is just saying, don't swing at anything unless it's a fastball. And I know the response time is is very quick and everything there, but you know if you go up there with that approach you have to understand as Harrison Bader that you were going to go up there and get off speed pitch after off speed pitch. Mm-hmm. And, but at, whenever you get that fastball, you need to attack it. Oh, I agree. You know, he's, he, he's a good fastball hitter. I mean, most, most major leaguers are right. If we're honest with ourselves, <laughs> most of them can hit a fastball if they know it's coming, uh, especially the Houston Astros, because they always know it's coming. <laughs> um, bang, bang. <laughs> um, there was a story I it was I don't know I caught it maybe on Twitter or something about one of the Cardinals security guards while the Astros were visiting Roger Dean Stadium was banging on a trash can and credit to that credit to that fine American. Yeah, I don't know if that's true or not, but I read it. So uh, let's let's jump into another issue where I, I there's well, I really no, I feel I know where this is going there's really nowhere to go with it I mean there's nowhere to go with it you can't just write it off for your taxes what the hell are you doing with Matt oh man I this is a tough one you know because a lot of us are torn and like he, he gave us so much in the last decade right like stepping into a position that he you know that's not what he came up as. He didn't come up as a second baseman, but he was willing to make the adjustment in order to play there. Uh, he didn't come up as a traditional leadoff hitter, but he made the adjustment and he played there and he and he excelled at that right for the longest time. Um, and I don't mean to to go over his whole history here. I know it's not what you're asking me, but I'm just trying to give you the context of where my brain's at. No, I, no, I'm with you on that. He has given us but, everything they've asked, and he's done what they've asked him to do. Yeah, exactly. He's he's never. Um, as far as we know, pushed back or complained or whined or made excuses. And, um, you know, when he, when they had a role for him on the team and not relying on him as a core centerpiece, I think he excelled the minute they, you know, uh, cut ties with Matt holiday at the end of his contract. And, and all of a sudden you had a gaping hole in the middle of the order, you know, they, they tried to stick him in there Well, he's been one of our best hitters statistically. So he, he can be a three hole hitter. Mm-hmm. No, he can't. <laughs> he proved that quick because he was back at leadoff that year. I, I believe it was in 2017. Um, and, you know, they, they, they signed Dex to be the leadoff guy and, and moved Matt to the three-hole, if you remember. And he couldn't, he couldn't do it. Uh, all of a sudden, he couldn't change, you know, and, and be that, that the, you know, the heavy bat, the reliable bat in the middle of the order. It's just not who he is. 
And uh, the aberration that was the middle of 2018 is, is just that, you know, it wasn't the salsa was anything else. He was locked in and some ungodly, he, he was in God mode mm-hmm. for like six, eight weeks. And he's just, he's never recovered from that. And I, I believe that if I look at one thing, I th- and this is just my own Ron theory here, uh, I can be proven wrong, but I think once they tried to make him into something he wasn't, I think that was, that was the beginning really of, of his decline. And we've seen it since September of 2018. He's just, he's not been able to recover. I mean, he's not even able to recover 75, 80% of his form, which we would all take right now. Well, um, and I, I, one of the biggest issues that I've noticed and, and it's, I mean, I saw it last year, you know, and I think it's been coming is just his bats slowed down so much. And then with time that's going to happen. Um, but I mean, we can't look at the contract now and complain about it. I mean, they, they, if I'm not mistaken, they, they, they signed his extension after his, his, his hot streak. And now it's essentially biting us, but I mean, you can't do anything with it. Nobody's going to take it. And I mean, they just wrote one off and, and Fowler. So, I mean, <sighs> which I was kind of surprised that they did that, but again, I understand why they did it. They needed to clear out <clears throat> opportunity for, you know, other outfielders. They, they, it's been long overdue. Um, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the extension when that happened. And I know many say they aren't now. I definitely well, wasn't. I, I, we're, we're, getting, we're getting into this territory where I feel that the, I hate to call them aging, but giving extensions to aging players and that they're essentially coming to bite us in the ass. I mean, you know, Michaelis had that one that his first season. They said, "Oh, we're we're gonna we're gonna get you some more years." Then and and you know, he had surgery and had the season off, and and now you know he's in question again. And right. you look at Carpenter's extension, and I mean, it's just like you know, holy shit! When do we just stop throwing money down a hole and invest it into something good? It's kind like, of kind of been their you know most thing though, right? Like. um, you didn't go back to Alan Craig was extended. Uh, Wong was extended. Piscotti. Um, you know, they, they, they've kind of gotten to the rhythm of doing that. And sometimes it works and, and sometimes it just doesn't. Um, yeah, that that one for, for Michaelis. I know he wasn't a system guy, right? They signed him as a free agent out of Japan. Um, good signing. I mean, kind of under the radar thing that happened for him. He had a really good year. And I, I think you're, you're probably going to get into the rotation later, so I won't jump the gun here. But I'm just talking about extensions. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know if we'll see things change necessarily. Uh, we all we know we know it's not going that way with Jack, right? <laughs> we can safely assume that at this point. Yeah. Uh, or, or well, I don't know. I guess we'll see. We'll see how he does this year because so far spring has been kind of kind of iffy on him. But uh, and you know the the. I know, I know that 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 um, last year was an odd year. You know, you don't want to put any any blame on anything or whatever. But you know, I noticed today. I know fans give Flaherty some shit, but you know, it came out today that his mom found out in July that she had cancer. All that, yeah. You know, and got a way on his mind, right? Jack Jack loves his mom. You you can tell that from the interactions, from the photos you've seen. So, you know, and it's, it's just so easy for fans to go, 
this is why he's doing bad now, you know, but you toss in COVID, you toss in, you know, all the, all the stuff going on behind the scenes that, that nobody's outspoken about. And it comes out today, uh, you know, with that. And it's just, you know, that, that had to be sitting on his brain for, you know, essentially the entire year. Well, sure. Uh, and you think back to Stephen Biscotti dealing with his mom's issues too, right? That, you know, those, those things that, players are dealing with they're dealing with real life too and sometimes we forget that as fans you yeah. know, we think they're just athletes. they've got lots of money and they get lots of attention everybody loves them but you know they have to deal with everyday life stuff too and yeah i i saw i saw what you were you, you were referring to with uh jack's mom uh, i saw it on twitter tonight and i did not know that i don't think anybody knew that yeah and no certainly had to certainly had to weigh on a, on, on the young man's well for sure. I mean, you, I mean, no yeah you throw your you throw your, your COVID stuff into everything with at home issues. And uh, it's just not a, it's not going to sit well. And I mean, you can't just, a lot of times we as humans just can't shut our brains off and, and go pitch. And uh, no, you can't, it's called compartmentalizing. Right. And um, I can give you an example. My wife would hate me for doing this, but she's asleep right now. So it doesn't, plus she never listens to anything I do. Um, (laughs) You know, she's very good at compartmentalizing things and just going to work during the day, shutting it off. Even we were we were stuck at home, she was able to do it. Like she was able to actually effectively tune out the noise of the kids being in the background. I don't know how the hell she did it. She's like superwoman. I couldn't do it. Um, some people just aren't able to do that. Not everybody's wired the same way. You know, the, I, I see it all the time. I think it's what you're alluding to. The the you know the people that post up or tweet out. You know, just shut up and pitch. Mm-hmm. it's not that easy for everybody. I'm sure some people can do it. There are others just, you're not going to be able to do that, man. I mean, the, the stress of, I mean, think about it. You're, you have a family member, an immediate family member that is going through chemotherapy during a pandemic. I mean, my God, you know, and you, you, you've talked about, you know, what COVID did to the 2020 season. Like I don't put a whole lot of stock in what happened in 2020. Um, DJ LeMahieu is not a 380 hitter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like so yeah. go, go look at the other end of it, guys that had a really, you know, shitty year in 2020. Look at the guys that had a really good year. Like, are they really that good? I don't think so. And I don't think guys like, dare I say, even Javi Baez, who had a terrible 2020, he's not that bad. Well, you know, look well, at I mean, let's have our let's 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 keep that away because I think there's potential that, uh, you know, he may not be the elite ball player that um, that MLB wants him to be which is fine I mean, but yeah, is he, how, how much did you hate seeing him on the cover of that game because i know you're a fan of that game well i actually i didn't buy a physical copy um uh, so every time the game loaded up he would pop up but i mean it is what it is down. look down <laughs> yeah look. yeah i always found other things to do during that time period i'll tell you what i've got an opponent for you he thinks he's he thinks he's god's gift mlb the show i think you know who i'm going to mention uh, that would be my son. He just turned 16, and uh, he's willing to take on anybody. So really, uh, well, can, the new can, game, did, have, have you uh, have you? Does he have a PlayStation Five yet? He does. He's one of the lucky few that got it. Okay, good. Well, uh, the game drops in a month, and I will let me get a week under me of, and I'll give him a shot. Speaking of, we're gonna take a break real quick on everything else. Did he? Did he like his card? Oh, he loved it. Yes. Yeah, so, he absolutely. So I'm actually 
I know I'm springing this on you. You have no idea about this, but I'm, I'm throwing it in there now because we're talking about baseball cards. So I actually, I don't know if you saw the picture of it. I've got a guy, um, his handle is sports cards, LJS. He does custom cards. Okay. They're very cool. Um, he actually did a custom Carlson for me. And in the coming weeks, we're actually working on a, another Carlson card. Um, and if you haven't seen the picture yet, I'll, I'll send it to you. Um, but he, he does really cool work with, with different things like um, retro cards and anything newer. Mm-hmm. He, he makes them really cool anyways. So I've, I've kind of teamed up with him and anybody who checks out his stuff and purchases from him and references the turn into podcast, he's actually going to give $5 off on, on a purchase. So um, again, his, his, handle is sports cards ljs and um like i said you or anybody else who's listening to this check out his stuff and i mean you'll be mind blown it's 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 really cool work and um yeah he's willing to willing to jump aboard and anybody who does reference the podcast he's going to give a five dollars off to so you know, if you're looking for something unique for him, especially, I guess, since he's older now, um, outside the other recent purchase, you check out his stuff. And if you drop him a, hey, can you do this custom for me? You know, he will get right on it. And um, I mean, it is it's really cool. It's unique. It's not something that I've seen widely, but I am not going to back anything that I don't love. And, um, you know. I, I think you'd be blown away. Um, I, I know, I know many people who are like, Holy cow, that's so cool. And, you know, just, just the stuff that I've shared with people, they're like, dude, let's get on board with this. And and they're on board. And um, so whenever you get free time, definitely check him out. Um, what's, the handle? Side, uh, writing I, it. what's the handle again? Cause I'm the writing handle it again is at sports cards ljs the name on it is lj's custom cards um it's got a white logo with a shield and lj in it i mean he he does some really cool work and um i mean he's he gets them done fairly quick because i asked him a couple weeks ago hey can you do this for me at some point in time and literally within the week he shot me a message with the picture of the card and I was like, Holy cow, but we're going to work on a, uh, a custom card where at least uh, this is what I'm, I'm wanting is a custom card with Carlson on his rookie card with uh, the arch in the background, but he, he customizes the arch. It's not like he's dragging and dropping images. He's actually customizing it. So um, check it out. Enjoy his work. I mean, I know, I, I don't know how, how in depth you've ever been with baseball cards. You, obviously you know that it's kind of blown up since the pandemic, but um, I mean, they're, they're unique, they're cool. And um, no, I mean, man, I used to uh, no, I used to be heavy into it uh, when I was, when I was young, um, you know, look, I think. Shit. The- at your age, you probably had that rookie mantle card then. <laughs> that was like, no, that was the Holy grail. I saw that. At, you know, here, here's the thing. You, you, you remember the, uh, I don't know who put them out. Um, Beckett, it was the Beckett, uh, price guides, right. Where you would just, buy, you'd be able to buy the magazine and tell you the, the, whatever cards worth. Absolutely. And, um, 
I remember always being just fascinated because as you flip through Beckett, it only went back so many years. I mean, this is a literal catalog, right? There was no, when I was collecting baseball cards, folks, there was no Googling shit like we can today. There was no, there was no website or app that, that did this. It was, you buy the Beckett guide and that was your, that was your Bible as a, as a baseball card collector. And I remember just like Mickey Mantle rookie card was like, that was the Holy grail in that Beckett guide. There's nothing worth more than that one. And it was 2,500 bucks. I think it was on average about what it tracked at. Um, you know, there were, there were, there was obviously like the Ken Griffey jr. Rookie cards and Jose Canseco rookie cards and stuff. Just things that would be like $40 or whatever. And you would hope that you would open one of those up in your Donruss pack. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was, it was, those are good memories, man. And that was, it was, it, it's pretty funny because that's how we got our stats then. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, fan graphs. It wasn't baseball reference. I mean, we, as kids growing up collecting baseball cards in that era, and I'm talking like, you know, late eighties, early nineties, when I grew up, um, you know, that was how we knew how good or bad players were. And we knew the whole damn league, you know, <laughs> before expansion or anything. And you got that top set. You got that tops traded somewhere in the middle of the year, mm-hmm. and that's that was our that was our internet for baseball. Yeah, it, it was. That was it, and, and that's how you knew players, and that's how you knew how good or bad they were. Well, and and I think you know a lot of a lot of the thing with cards nowadays is is um, jumping on players before the the market blows up on them, and um, you know I, I I shied away from it for for a long while, and then. You know, I jump back into it, and I mean, there's guys that will buy, 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 and just have random stuff sitting around. But I mean, I've got, I've got my TV stand. It's just, it's just littered with Carlson cards. Um, I don't really have a big space for anything else. But I mean, me personally, you know, I'm gonna jump on the guy that that I that I like watch playing. And Do they still uh, have card shows. Let me ask you that. Do they still oh, have yeah. like? There was one they- in Dallas a few weeks ago. I guess I, I've never been to one. Um, I used to go to them locally because I, I grew up in central Illinois. So it was like, I was like, literally, if you could like pin a point on the map halfway between Chicago and St. Louis, that's where I was. And often, you know, baseball card shows in, in Peoria, Illinois, that used to be the, uh, the Cubs single A for the longest time, the Chiefs. They weren't always with St. Louis. I know they are now, but for the longest time, you know, you had Maddox, Raphael Palmero those types of guys that went through Peoria and I've got quite a few probably up in my attic, just autographed baseball cards of, you know, young players in the league. Mark Grace got a couple of his, I got actually got a Willie McGee. I don't even remember how the hell I got it. Um, but those card shows were, those are pretty cool, man. And days before you had instant access to information that you have now, mm-hmm. just one of those things and looking where everybody's got on display, you know? And I think, there were a couple that had the Mickey Mantle card, you know, under, under uh, you know, polycarbonate glass, you know, bulletproof type of glass that were protecting that. But that, that was, uh, those were fond memories. I haven't been to one in probably 30 years, but. Yeah, I've actually never been to a legit one in a big city. I know that, that about two times a year they have them at our mall. They will take a section of the mall and guys will line up their memorabilia on tables and cards and stuff. And it, for some odd reason, that's the time that I choose to go to the mall. Cause I don't know, I don't know when it happens, but it, it's cool to look at that stuff. And, um, you know, I've, I've found locally, um, you know, just connecting with guys on here. There's so many people around, you know, my area that, uh, 
that that collect and and um i mean it's also crazy especially with our information and google and ebay nowadays just to see the value on stuff rising because i mean i mean we won't talk we won't ebay ebay kind of be like your guide these days but let me throw a name at you this is a funny one and then talking about baseball cards maybe you remember this do you remember a name mike dunn from the 80s no okay you wouldn't remember that but um (laughs) when uh the cardinals had andy vance like a couple other mike lavalier he was like a backup catcher and um Mike Dunn was a rookie pitcher, right, in their system. They traded those three guys for Tony Pena before 1987 season. And uh, I was at several – because he, he was he was local. He was a local product from Central Illinois. And so he was at several card shows that year. And the only thing we had available, we didn't have any Pirates stuff. He got traded to the Pirates, right? That's where Tony Pena came from. Um, and we uh, – you know, the only thing we have is Cardinal stuff to sign from, you know, to, for him to sign. And so he always kind of looked at it like that was, that was before the 1980. This takes you back in time. This is before 1987, like when that when that year started. Um, and the Cardinals went to the World Series that year with Tony Pena as the catcher. Um, lost to the Twins, of course, in seven games. Um, I think Whitey Herzog called the Metrodome the roller rink or roller derby rink or something like that. It was so loud. But um, yeah, that's funny. I would, I probably would that that synapse in the back of my brain probably wouldn't have fired if you had not brought up baseball cards yeah I don't, yeah i mean whenever i was younger i used to get jim edmonds cards you know because he's my guy growing up and um you know i i didn't keep the best care of him you know i wish i would have not to you know the value would have been there but um you know nowadays i preserve my cards pretty well but i mean i don't need to talk monetary value by any means but I, I know you got the card the carlson card for your son for his birthday or whatnot and um you know if you would look at the price of that card now i mean it, it's significantly increased and it's just it's odd how the market works especially in the in the baseball card world with you know if like I, when in, when rookie of the year the card's gonna explode you know and you know anything anything crazy um things just pop off with that stuff. And I don't know if it would have done that in, you know, the nineties, even early two thousands, if, if things fluctuated like that, you know, we didn't have eBay, we didn't have, you know, easy access to sell things. So. Well, you didn't have that. You had to go to shows for that kind of stuff, right. Or shops that specialized in that. Um, I mean, we had one like uh, memorabilia place nearby where I live, where you could, you know, you could buy cards and trade them to the, owner and he'd give you a pack or two if you wanted to trade like a daryl strawberry rookie card he'd give you like you know six eight packs of donruss that year or something to hope you got a greg jeffries rookie rated rookie card donruss (laughs) he was cardinal by the way um but yeah no those those memories are great i remember what happened though with the baseball card market it just got so saturated with uh score jumped in i remember they they arrived back on the baseball card scene and upper deck and um you just i think as a young collector you didn't know where to start there were so many options so many different types of things to collect like you had to be hardcore right to follow it um so hopefully it gets back to a little bit more simplified version where you can just collect what you want it's not hard to keep track of that that's that's the whole problem just taking mental inventory about what is all out there well we've entered into a territory right now where where people yeah. are, are flipping cards, you know, left and right for, for money. And, um, 
you know, for me, especially latching on to, to Carlson, I've been able to make a few trades here and there for, for his card specifically, which has been fun because I mean, that's who I want to collect. And, um, you know, I've got others that just sit around that I've gotten along the way, but, uh, I mean, it's fun and I, I love doing it. Just, you know, I I don't know if I have the funds to keep it going all the time. Well, we, we never really do. Um, I, uh, I have a guilty pleasure too, and it's not so much baseball cards these days. I collect another type of thing that is probably nerdy. Is um, it white claw packs? <laughs> 12 packs of white claws? Man, I got the first uh, series. Uh, no, this is when they only did lime. Uh, I got the first 12 pack. But, <laughs> if um, you say Star Wars, I'm going to end this thing right now. <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm not going to say it out loud, uh, but uh, there, there is something that's near and dear to my heart. Cause I, you know, I grew up in an earlier era and uh, yeah, there's something that I'll drop a little coin on every now and then. Um, but for my son, who's 16, who you, you brought up a little while ago, you know, he is a diehard just like I was. And so I will gladly feed his habit from time to time and indulge him in something that's, you know, uh, you know, you have to drop a little bit of coin on, but it's worth it. It's a memory to him. Um, it's a, you know, what I love about baseball cards is there a time in your life too, especially when you hold on to them. Mm-hmm. Time in your life that'll that'll make you remember things you wouldn't have if you wouldn't have seen that that card or opened that book up with those, you know, what is it, twelve cards per page or something? You're not flipping through it. Like there's there's things that it makes you remember, and um, that's what I I enjoy every you know every so often. It, uh, I go up in the attic or wherever and I pull something like that out. I, I run into that stuff and I remember where it was when I got it, you know, and you oh, remember yeah. other. People. So well, it's, I mean, my, one of my first, uh, one of my first autographs, um, was obviously Bo Hart, um, during his, his run and gun. And, um, that was the first one I've ever gotten. It's a wild story and I'll tell it real quick. So I was in, Kansas City Cardinals Royal Series. That's all we could afford growing up because St. Louis is so much more expensive. And um, you know, the the team was coming back into the dugout. All of us kids were were lined up, you know, behind the dugout. And uh Daryl Kyle actually threw me a ball. And then um, you know, people are asking to sign autographs, you know, and he says, hey, I can't right now. You know, I got to get ready, blah, blah, blah. Well, a few weeks later, he passed away. So then that next year, that next year, Bo Hart, I believe. Now, this was a few years ago, but I believe that Bo Hart, you know, started coming on. And um, I actually, first time I stood outside after a game and got him to sign it. And that was that was a cool moment for me as a kid because, I mean, I, the, the memories come back to me with Daryl Kyle throwing me the ball and, you know, everything like that. And then, you know, him passing away a couple of weeks later, um, you know, you hold on to those things. And I don't think as, as adults, I don't think it hits us every day, but, you know, we see an item like that. And we're like, Holy cow, you know? Um, so yeah, those, and the, the, I tell you what, the, um, the Cardinals caravans as well, those are so good, you know, growing up. And I'm sure I don't need, I, I don't know. They probably didn't have those whenever you were growing up, but for me, you know, um, 
I got to attend those every once in a while. And, and I mean, they were a blast and, you know, the players, they, they loved it. And, um, so I, 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 you're absolutely right. Those, those, those memories and things are just, they're, they're brought back to you with, with something small like that. And, um, I think it's something that everybody can relate to. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, I know we've gotten away from the current baseball a little bit here, and it's probably, it probably took you down a rabbit hole here with, as far as collecting and memories and everything. But, you know, I went to that, that game against the Cubs where uh, Daryl Crowell passed away. Um, I, I, first time I'd ever taken a party bus to a game, um, but it was Central Illinois. I had just gotten out of the military, probably been out less than a year, well, maybe a little over a year, and uh, hadn't done it before because I, I like to go to those things independently with a you know friend or two and just kind of be on your own schedule but uh we agreed to you know hey we're jumping on a party bus a bunch of people on there and we'll go and enjoy a game and it, it was central Illinois so it was a mix of both Cubs and Cardinals fans which is unique right it's unique but it's it's fun you talk shit to each other the whole the whole trip so maybe a two-hour drive up to Wrigley beautiful day in June um never forget it and we pulled up to Wrigley Field literally saw the saw the sign on Wrigley Field people just pouring out of the stadium it said game canceled and this is in 2002 right yes I know the internet existed but smartphones didn't exist like they did today like you didn't have Twitter you didn't have all the stuff to to find out what the hell happened so literally that bus turned around and went back down to the Bloomington Illinois area and we, we didn't know we didn't know why it was canceled. We didn't see, you know, Joe Girardi's speech to the crowd until, you know, much later in the evening. But talk about a quiet ride home because we knew something bad had to happen. Like something happened bad where they canceled a game. It was a perfect day. And, you know, finding out about it was just devastating. You know, it's devastating because, and I remember why I thought about this recently is because when I was on baseball reference before I was doing one of my shows, I saw a picture of Daryl Kyle. You know, they had him on there, his name. I'm like, that's what kind of made me remember. It's like, it, it, you know, that was one of the first times in my adult life that I'd actually teared up over baseball. And it wasn't because I missed a game that day. It was because a 32-year-old man passed away who had a family and young kids and, you know, went to bed and never woke up. That was the tragedy of it. And we had just lost Jack Buck, what, a week or two before that. Yeah. Um, and so it was a, 2002 was a, it was a tough year. Um, good team made it to the playoffs, you know, made the move for Chuck Finley uh, to come in and throw for him late in, tw- in 2002. Um, I know they, you know, chance they could have faced the Edmonds old team and the angels, you know, going into that year, but they fell short, fell a little short to the giants in the playoffs, but I think they were gassed emotionally. And um, yeah, it was a, it was a tough year, tough memory, but um yeah, Daryl Kyle, you threw his name out there. That's pretty cool, though. He threw you a ball. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's what I mean. And that, and hell, I was I was a young kid at the time, obviously. And um, you know, I at that point in my life, I hadn't experienced death within my family or, or anything else, you know. And you're like, how does this happen to somebody who you know right. just essentially interacted with you, um, you know, as a as a child, as a kid, you know that those things aren't necessarily supposed to happen and and then, you know, it just kind of hits, hits close to home and it shouldn't, um, I guess it, it shouldn't have affected me like it did, but I mean, 
you know, it, it's one of those guys that, uh, you know, you saw on your team all the time. You literally just saw, you know, weeks prior and, you know, he's not around anymore. And, you know, Daryl Kyle was a decent pitcher, you know, from what I remember and, and watching him pitch, I, I didn't get to listen to much Jack Buck growing up, but, uh, that or I didn't pay attention that well. Well, that, that was that was um, you know my my childhood soundtrack was Jack Buck and Mike Shannon, um, which is another name that if you want to you want to go there we can. Um, you know that was my soundtrack as a child. You know, growing up, I mean, growing up, most of the Cardinals games that I took in from when I started taking interest in baseball in about probably 1985 or so. I was nine years old. You know, I, I played Little League and everything, but I didn't really understand it. I didn't know why my dad was forcing me to go out there. <laughs> um, but, you know, I started, uh, you know, I think it was in the, that was the year that I have my first active memory of actually going to the ballpark and, and seeing the uh, size and scale of what I saw on TV, but seeing it in real life was kind of an eye opener, right? And so, you know, I'm, I'm in Bush Stadium in 1985, seeing Vince Coleman steal bases left and right, like in person. I think they're playing the Pirates. And, um, you know, that, that to me was when I started taking interest. And, of course, they went, you know, they went to the World Series that year and, you know, Don Dankinger sc- screwed it up for him in 1985 by, you know, missing that call at first base, which should have, you know, they would have 12 titles right now. But, you know, I'm not counting. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's – you know, that was, that was the era I grew up in. And most of the Cardinals games I had taken in were by radio. You know, you just didn't have, mm-hmm. you didn't have TV access like you did today. The Cardinals like were rare. I mean, when you caught them on TV, no kidding, is when they played the Cubs because the Cubs had WGN. Yeah. And so whenever they played Chicago, you got to see them. Whenever they played the Braves, you got to see them. Whenever you caught them on Game of the Week, which was rare, you could see them. And then, of course, when the playoffs came around, it was only four divisions at the time. You know, the AL East and west and nl east and west and and that's how you caught everything so um it was rare to see him on tv but i tell you what once walking in bush stadium for the first time that was pretty much it for me oh yeah that that my first my my first game in bush stadium was actually woody williams first start at bush i think it was his first start overall uh, as a cardinal i love him as a cardinal like like a a, a player that nobody really knew Mm -hmm. right and he was part of uh, that staff, really. Like two, that 2004 staff was just so much fun. And you saw those guys. And I got a picture from my own camera of, I think maybe Supon was pitching, but I got a picture in the dugout, and all four of the other starters were at the edge of the dugout watching him. You know, Matt Morris. Um, I don't think Carpenter was had arrived yet. Cause I think he was, he was recovering from injury, but you saw Williams, you saw uh, Marquis mm-hmm. uh, and all the other guys that were there in 2004. It was really cool. Um, I love that staff. I, lo- I love the closeness of it. And uh, I think, you know, some of that, some of that closeness was from having that kind of legacy there. You know, when you had all those red coats, those guys like Bob Gibson and, you know, uh, players, you know, tragedies that happened like Daryl Kyle. I think, I think there was a closeness to the St. Louis team and organization for a few years there around all of that. And I think that was, that was really, I think just in my time as being a hardcore fan, that was kind of like a golden era, right? It wasn't just because of their success. It was because of 
the way the rest of the country viewed the Cardinals. Oh, and, I mean, they were, they were hated. They were essentially hated. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, yeah. I mean, you had your Jack Buck. Well, I've got my, yeah. I've got, I've got Mike Shannon. I mean, that's, that's, that's how I grew up on it is just, I mean, if we were going anywhere, like on a vacation or anything, you know, my grandpa always had Mike Shannon on and, um, I mean, you, you, you enter in into his last season. You're like, yeah, yeah, Mike, you know, he may drink a little bit. He may be, you know, he may not know how to pronounce certain people's names, but that's what makes him unique. He doesn't have to be anything special. He doesn't have to be, you know, he's not the Danny Mac of the radio. You know, he, he's got these, these famous calls that we've listened to, or, you know, that voice that, that bridge gaps between towns that, um, you know, that I've held on to. And, you know, I couldn't tell you how many times I've listened to him call David Freeze's ball off the wall in 2011. But, um, you know, it's going to be sad to, to see him go. But at the same time, you know, somebody's got some big shoes to fill. And, uh, but, you know, that's, that very well could be, you know, your younger kids' gap if they, you know, if they enjoy baseball if you listen to the games i mean i think for a lot of people especially the the you know the 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 teens the younger 20s that their voice of the tv is going to be danny mack and um you know his, his calls and you know we've got we've got endless memories with this ball club but uh i think yeah. like shannon departs the radio booth you know it's it's going to be different and i know there's people that don't care for him for whatever reason, it's probably because they expect elite broadcasting, but you know, Goldschmidt will always be Goldschmidt to me or whatever he says. So, well, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, he's, you know, look, and, and I grew up around and I'm still friends with a fair amount of Cub fans and they felt the same way about Ron Santo, mm-hmm. right? These guys were former players. They're not polished broadcasters. They're human beings. They, we and, and the thing I think we love about them is that we can relate to them more because they're talking more like we would talk. And, oh, yeah. you know, Mike Shannon's calling a game like you or I would call it if somebody, like, all of a sudden, Matt Knowles, they put a blindfold on us, spun us around, and put us in front of a microphone in front of a baseball game. Absolutely. But, and, I mean, that's – that's I mean, that's – I think that's how we grow on a lot of things. I mean, me me being a kid, that's that was my goal growing up was – doing broadcasting stuff reasons being were the likes of Danny Mack and, and, you know, Mike Shannon on the radio, obviously that did not pan out, but um, you know, they, they give, they give us weird kids as well. I'll call myself a weird kid because not many kids want to do that kind of stuff, but um, you know, they give us that outlet to say, Hey, you know, I can do that too. But um, yeah. Yeah. Much harder when you get in front of Mike, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit harder, but yeah, I'll miss the personality. I'll miss the quirkiness. The Shannonisms are, are, are golden to a lot of us. And I, I get, I get there's some people that don't like it, but it, you know what, for me, I, I grew up hearing that guy's voice, you know, my whole childhood and, and even into adulthood. And, you know, I, I, I wish that my kids would have something like that. Right. You know, and they're not old enough yet. I mean, most of them aren't. I mean, my 16 year old certainly heard enough and he's a, he's a huge Danny Mac fanboy, and, and I get it. Right. That's, that's his voice. Um, yeah, absolutely. 
And so we'll see. We'll see what the young ones can drum up. I, I'm afraid since I live out here in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, it would be more probably like Duke, North Carolina, uh, State, something like that. Uh, I'll just not familiar with put MLB TV in front of them all the time. And I try. I try, man. I mean, you know what? The only thing that my 10 year old, he's turned 10, which is crazy, but the only thing he sat with me and watched was the first Battle Hawks game. Really? That's it. Like he's he's rarely sat down and watched a sporting event. And he plays baseball and everything. And and uh, but you know, look, the the kids, you know, everything is competing for their attention, whether it's Fortnite or yeah games or everything else. It's well, like it's really hard to, you know, it's different. It's different than when I grew up, and it's a lot different from when, when I grew up, and and probably different than when you did so yeah yeah uh, i don't know how about the pitching staff the pitching we got staff. away from baseball for a yeah. while <laughs> yeah so so how about, how about the pitching staff man i mean because the, the way i felt about it i know this is your show i'm not trying to take it over um good. i promise i wouldn't um but i think the anxiety exists right now and we certainly have you know questions around position players but i mean isn't it the rotation at this point that's kind of like let's well, not overlook this one so i think they missed i think they missed the mark on signing you know one of odorizzi or paxton just to have an arm there i think that if i think that if if things are looking um a little off for the rotation you know they'll probably start looking to make moves but i i truly feel like and i know there's people that think you know we need to stretch them out and you know have some more time um healthy but man i want to see alex reyes in the rotation i I really do um you know and and are they going to give john gant a chance i mean or are we going to move towards the 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 looks of a super pin you know i don't know um but obviously there's tons of question marks right now with the rotation yeah i agree and that's that's where you know and I, I give the organization a lot of credit for having tons of options, right? A lot of depth, but we don't know the quality of that depth yet. And, you know, like somebody like Matthew Libator is not, he's probably not ready yet. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, like he, he probably needs a, a, another season or if not two in the minor league, Zach Thompson, you know, needs, he needs repetition, right? In that minor league system. Um, I thought all along, I'm like, we don't really know what we're getting back in Miles Michaelis coming into this year. He missed all of last year. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we didn't, I mean, thank God. I, I, I think you and I even talked about this. Adam Wainwright, you know, bringing him back was critical. It was like critical mass. Like we had to have him back and thank God we did. Uh, I like the idea of Ken being in the rotation because, you know, the league has not seen him that much. Mm-hmm. So, has that kind of unknown we know how these players are at least if you hear them talk you know visual experience with a pitcher helps them if they're used to their delivery how the ball comes off their their hand and everything like you know that helps hitters out and they haven't seen him that much so i thought that'd be a plus but now there's questions around both of those guys so yeah i mean i I, the rotation is not a lock man i mean I, i have less i have more a little bit more heartburn this year than I did last year. Absolutely. Well, I mean, yeah, and, and and unfortunately, the game is moving more towards 
the reverse aspect of even having a rotation to where we've got starters going five innings and going straight to the pen, which, I mean, our, our bullpen isn't terrible, but, you know, I, I think I'm so old school, you know, I'm used to guys going six, seven innings and then the pen coming in. So do we see Matthew Libertor this year? Probably not. Maybe. Um, at the same time, you know, Zach Thompson, would I like for to see him? Yeah, I'm I'm I've got real high hopes on Thompson, but mm-hmm. if I don't take a step back and realize that these guys didn't even have a minor league season last year, I don't take the taxi squad um inner squad games essentially and go, yeah, man, that's that they actually did have a season. I mean, they didn't face different guys all the time, they didn't face different opponents, they didn't, you know, they, they didn't go through the the ups and downs of actually playing games and you know doing that type of stuff and I think that's one thing that could uh, hinder, I guess, if you will, um, Libertor even pitching in St. Louis this year. I mean, obviously, you know, him being young and everything else too, but I think that if they did have a season last year, we, we may have seen him this year, but I don't, I don't know right now if that's going to happen. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I don't know. The, the yeah, the rotation is quite, and I'm totally with you. By the way, on Alex Reyes, I, I I would love to have seen them give that a harder look. You know what I mean? Like this is a this is a guy that we thought was going to be in our rotation for a long time. You know, injuries slowed him down, uh, held up his progress, and has effectively kept him out of it. And I don't know how I feel about. I mean, look, the, the organization knows more than we do, for sure. Uh, so there must be a reason for it, but if there's ever a time to like, you know, we, we need, this guy was supposed to be this at one point in, in his career and is, is he or not? And I would love to see them take a risk on that right now. Well, right? I mean, then push may come to shove. Right. And that's as I feel, I mean, I would, I would love to see them say, no, he's, we're going to put him in the rotation. And yes, we know that his workload you know, he's not, maybe he's not built up like you would want somebody to, of course, we all understand that, but I want to see his talent out there for more innings. Matt knows. I, I don't, I don't want to see him out there in a bullpen role for extended relief or whatever. I just, I just, I'm not ready for that yet. I'm not ready to label Alex Reyes, that guy. Yeah, no, I, I think they need to, they need to give him a shot at the rotation, especially with so many questions. I mean, that's that's what you've been hoping for all this time is Alex Ray is the starting pitcher. He gave you a healthy, for what it was, 2020 season. I mean, give him the nod, let him let him see what he can do uh, in 2021 in one of the rotation roles. I mean, and, and let's be real, outside of – I mean – I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't like putting claims on anybody, but I mean, there's so many question marks in the rotation. You know, what are we going to get out of Martinez if he's in the rotation? You know, Wainwright is aging, but the last couple of seasons, they haven't been terrible, you know, um, and, and Flaherty's <coughs> sorry. Flaherty's coming off of, you know, somewhat rocky season last year after his fantastic second half in 2019, you know, what are we going to get? And at that point in time, you, you kind of have to look at Alex Reyes and go, you know, he's healthy. We've wanted him in the starting role. Why don't we give him the shot? You know, we've had spring training. Let's, you know, just stretch him out and let's, let's get rolling with it. And um, I mean, and he's not getting any younger either. I mean, we're about to the point where it's shitter get off the pot, you know, don't waste the talent 
for an inning for three outs. Well, I mean, at one point in time, like you take Alex Reyes and Jack Flaherty at their same age. And, you know, this, we all thought the ceiling's higher for Alex Reyes. We thought he was going to be, you know, um, the anchor in this rotation for years to come. And injury obviously got in the way. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that, you know, he spent so much time trying to rehab and get back. Yeah, that's that's what I, you know, the emotional side of me wants to see that, but the Cardinals obviously know something we don't. You know, they're, they're closer to this stuff than we are. So if they are reluctant to do that, they're, there's likely a reason. I don't think they're evil. No, we don't. We don't. We don't want this guy to get an opportunity as a starter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they would love that, but there, there's a reason that's holding that up, and and we don't, we don't directly know it, but I'm sure it's there. Um, maybe I'm giving him much credit. Maybe um, I'm giving somebody's got to sort out the mess, and luckily, I mean that's above my pay grade as a fan, so I will let somebody else make those decisions. But I mean, like like we've said give Alex a shot and let's see, you know, what he can do. Um, yeah, Kim will be is, you know, what they're telling us about Kim, if he's, if they're not as concerned as they were at one point, you know, um, setting him off to the side and resting him. Uh, is he, is he going to be okay? You know, what's the status on Michaelis? He's not going to be ready for the, when the season starts. So they've got, they've got some questions answered. And I, I can tell you that one of the options that I'm not high on, although I love his story and I love his fight that's Ponce de Leon. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I mean, I think I think he's overlooked a lot of times by the fans on, you know, where he, he lines up. But, I mean, you got to give him a shot too. I mean, why not, you know? Sure. I mean, but my only issue with him is, and it, you know what, it's, it's a year later, and if we're going to give people credit for changing their approach and improving, you know, we, we just give Tyler O'Neill a bunch of credit, you know, with a watch out. Um, I give Ponce de Leon the same thing, you know, like, the only thing that bugged me about him is his pitch count gets run up so fast that you're you're mm-hmm. you know the third inning and he's already got 72 pitches. And I, I'm going to ask because I probably already know the answer. No, I already do. Hudson's not coming back at all this year, correct? No, he's out. Okay, that's yeah, what I figured. Tommy John, Tommy John he, he got diagnosed. What, I I think, what August or so yeah. of last year, September? So he's. Yeah, we've we've lost him for 2021, which was another thing going in, right? Like, yeah, they they were aware of that situation. I mean, there there were so many question marks. They probably should have factored that into a lot of things, but they they chose not to. And and you know, they have a plan, I think. But yeah, but I, I agree with you what you said earlier that it would have been nice having one of those insurance signings like an Odorizzi or somebody like that. Just somebody that could. You're not counting on them to anchor your rotation. You're not looking for an ace. You're looking for a three, four, five guy that can eat innings. And I wish they would have done that. Um, it's not my money, but <laughs> you know, I, I wish they would have done that though. It would, it would, it would give me a lot more certainty going into the year. Well, yeah, less, uh, less worry, I guess. Um, so if. <sighs> Well, let's jump ahead to, to opening day. Opening day, twenty twenty one. You, Ron, walk into the the clubhouse, and Schultz says, "Ron, today's the day. You've dedicated your whole entire life to this team. You're making the opening day lineup. 
don't fuck it up. <laughs> and I want, I, I want the order. How how you would write it up and the player not not who you think but who who Ron wants to start and positions on opening day. Okay, I don't think this will be that hard. Um, I have Tommy Edmond leaning off. I have Dylan Carlson batting second, Goldschmidt batting third, Arenado batting fourth, O'Neill batting fifth, Molina sixth. I have DeYoung seventh. I have, wait for it, Lane Thomas batting eighth. And this is opening day, right? So this is against Cincinnati. Uh, I have, I do have Jack Flaherty starting opening day. That is my starting lineup. Fair enough. I don't disagree with it. I, I mean, I, I the only, <clears throat> I mean, the only thing I would do is I would, if I mean, if things keep trending how they are, I would have. Uh, I would have, I mean, it, I would go Edmund, Carlson, Goldschmidt, Arenado, Tyler O'Neill, um, DeYoung, Molina, Lane Thomas, pitcher spot. Yeah, I mean, so we just had DeYoung and Molina and I think, different spots. But, yeah, essentially pretty much the same line. Yeah, I, at this point in time, I can't give I can't give Harrison Bader a starting spot on opening day. Um, I, you got to ride. You can't ride what, you know, what the franchise sent out to, to model a jersey um to start the season off you know you got to ride your hot hand and Peter Todd, which yeah I, so no I, i'm with you yeah I, it just it, it makes too much sense and i you gotta you gotta play the guys that are gonna do the best and you know with carlson like, heating up essentially i guess i don't know back-to-back games with a home run but um i mean he you know he's my guy and and you know i'm gonna play him till the wheels fall off and uh, I think he's great in the two spot. I think he's he's perfect for that role. And you know, if if Tommy Edmond is such a, I want to say whenever I think of Tommy Edmond, he's he seems so wild at the plate. But I mean, he can get hits and he's got speed. He's and a player. that's that's my thing with Tommy Edmond. I think he's he's a player that you know maybe won't take the risks of of somebody like a Bader, but you know he's. He's got the, he's got that, I don't know, that seasoning, that clout that's a little ahead of his schedule, right? For as little as major league time as Tommy Edmonds has, I, I just think he's, you know, he's a smart player. He takes smart at bats. I know that somebody can probably point to one at bat and say, no, that wasn't a smart <laughs> bat. And I'm sure you're right. But I think overall, right, if you average the season out, I think he's a pretty intelligent player. Yeah. And so. I, you know, until somebody steps up and, and, and gets on base more often, he's my leadoff guy. There's just no question about it. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? I was going to, here's what I was going to say. Um, Dylan Carlson reminds me so much of Carlos Beltran, even his swing. And you remember when Beltran was a member of St. Louis, he batted in the two hole. Yeah. Switch hitter. Well, and the thing for me, you know, I, I, I look at some odd shit whenever I look at players and I see how they develop. But Carlson, even in Springfield, he was batting in the two hole. Like that's it was so weird because he was always hitting in the two hole. And maybe it's just a comfort thing. And I know a lot of people ragged on Carpenter. Oh, he can't hit anywhere but but the leadoff spot. But I mean, you know, I think all in all, I mean, this team from from one to seven, eight, hopefully eight, you know, we can see a very deep lineup. And and I love Carlson in the two spot batting, you know, in front of 
all stars. I mean, literally, these guys are all stars, you know, and potential Hall of Fame guys. And, um, you know, that's going to be well for his career and uh, hopefully his his stats moving forward. But it just makes too much sense to put him in the two hole uh, with his speed. And, um, you know, he can he, he can hit he can flat out hit the ball. And um, well, exactly, man. That's why he reminds me so much of Carlos Beltran. And even when he was with St. Louis, um, he was later in his career. Like he wasn't the, the the Mets middle of the order guy that they signed him for, or he wasn't the Royals or Astros player that he was in, in the mid two thousands. Like he was switch hitter, could make good contact, smart player, um, had a little bit of pop, uh, but knew what to do. And so that's kind of where I land, man. He reminds me so much of him, even his swing, just watch his swing. He reminds me so much of Carlos Beltran. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm just, I'm just ready, man. We we're 10. Are you taking, are you taking the day off on uh, opening day? Um, I probably won't officially take it off at work, but I will probably not be working. <laughs> oh man. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a holiday and I think, I think there's, there's, 99% of people who would agree with that. And it's just, you know, it's a, it's a long ride throughout a full season, but opening day is just, it, it's something else. And um, it's, it kind of deserves all focus, um, yes. especially. Uh, you know, the, the, the tough thing about opening day for me is they open up against Cincinnati, right in Cincinnati and Cincinnati is one of these strange markets. Well, it's in Ohio. It claims this area is its territory. Hmm. So since I'm a streamer, I might not physically be able to watch the game. Yeah, that's... Because it's blacked out on MLB.tv here. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. I love it. Well, and the bad... The one thing that I do dislike about opening day... Hell, you know, the first... the Sorry, the thing that I dislike about the first week or two is the games in the early afternoon. I cannot stand it. Like just, they just take the day off the next day. Yeah. Just, just so. start me, just start me the season off at seven Oh five. And, and let's just, let's just do it. Then I, I don't want to, you know, play one game, have a day off, you know, whenever baseball starts rolling full steam, I just want it every day, you know, and the ability to watch multiple teams and, and see how other guys are doing. I mean, and then I think one of the things I'm going to jump into this year because I couldn't last year is I'm I'm jumping on the MILB TV like this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to have to do it because I think you know I missed out. I, I think and I'm going to. I hate to say it, but I think I'm going to miss out on the bus of Gorman and Libertor being in Springfield. I, I don't think I'm going to get to see him, and you know that sucks. That sucks so bad because you don't know. Don't know yet if they're allowed to have fans. No, 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 no. I don't. I think they're going to go to AAA. I think they're going to oh, skip Springfield. Period. Sorry, sorry. I thought you meant like they were. You they weren't going to allow fans. Oh yeah, no. I think I think I missed the bus on them completely with last year being a being a wash. Yeah, you're probably right. And it sucks, man, because I think you know. I think uh, I think Gorman's going to be special. I don't want to get off on that subject tonight, but I think I think Gorman's going to be special, and if he can if he can nail down that second base role, I mean, I think uh, I think with with a, another season and the minors under his belt, hitting, I, I think 
I think we're going to see a solid bat out of him. Yeah, I think a lot of people agree with that. Uh, and, and I'd love to see the work ethic and dedication to be like, hey, look, if you want me to be a second baseman, I'm going to work at it. And I think he's got a couple starts there now, at least, right? Like, I think he had a simulated game where he played second base the whole time. And I think he had a real game where he played second base the whole time. So you got you to love that. You got to love that willingness to do whatever it takes. I mean, obviously, he's a, he's, he's a young prospect and he knows they just got Nolan Arenado and he's not going anywhere. He's not opting out. Well, no. And, and for, for a kid, for a kid to go instead of whining and pouting and and throwing a fit, you know, trying to adjust, right. You know, that that's huge. And it it should say a lot to the organization, but um, you know, you did say, you did say that Arenado, you know, isn't going to opt out. He actually was on a podcast, um, you know, about a month or so ago, and and he was talking his contract with uh, a couple guys on there, and he said, you know, I'm not leaning towards opting out. Like, I think it would have to be, you know, something drastic for me to opt out, but I'm not leaning towards it. I mean, in a roundabout way, you know, and which is which is cool. And, and that near the trade, right? Like, like he didn't intend on at least when he got announced as a as a official Cardinals player like I I think for me when it you know you expect those things but whenever you hear it from the horse's mouth it kind of sets sets well I mean but it's kind of like the whole Goldschmidt thing you know it it hasn't even set in that Nolan Arenado is a St. Louis Cardinal like and I don't know how long it'll take but I mean I was watching a video from the World Baseball Classic of him making the final throw over to to um Eric Hosmer at first and I'm like that arm is now in St. Louis. And then, you know, right. you've seen an arm like that at third base and Scott Rowland. Yeah. And four years ago, four years ago at that time, I wasn't thinking, you know, this guy's going to be in St. Louis. So it's kind of cool. It is. It's always cool when you see that. Uh, it's always cool when you see a name that's widely known across the baseball world um, all of a sudden put on our jersey, you know, and I, I my first, my first feeling of this was not just, you know, Tony La Russa and his crew coming over in 1996, it was really the trade for Mark McGuire that brought a legit name. Like, like Ozzie Smith had retired the year before. Like, we had lost our face of what was St. Louis. And now in this new era, I think we went without an identity for a long time. Well, and, and, and you've one of the issues that I think is you've heard so much talk in recent years about how St. Louis isn't a, a prime spot for guys to go anymore. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we just pulled two big names out of the NL West. I mean, yeah. and, and the biggest names you could argue that the two oh, of the biggest. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Clayton Kershaw for the Dodgers right now. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, just give me Cody Bellinger and uh, you know, every, everything will be right in the world. But um yeah, absolutely. Like it, it's it's one of those things that, you know, oh, Stanton didn't want to come to St. Louis. Well, some guys love the 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 light and you know the cameras and all that stuff. And you know, there's there's ball players, there's legit ball players that, that want to come out and play the game and and bust their ass. And um, you know, those two guys at the corners are absolutely those guys. So, well, you think about it, right? Like you you brought up Stanton, and you're right. He's a you know he was a coast guy, and um. You know, he didn't know anything about the Midwest other than, you know, he had to stop there for three days at a time, you know, <laughs> his team went through, he didn't know. 
So you, I, I don't blame those guys at all for wanting to play in, in an area where they're more familiar with. I, that's that's fine. But you take a guy like Mark McGuire, who born, raised, grew up, went to USC, was an Oakland athletic, went to St. Louis for a month and be like, shit, I'm signing here. Take a guy like, Jim, you know, Hollywood Jim Edmonds. Yeah. Well, I mean, up, in, in, baseball in California, went to St. Louis for a spring training. Be like, uh, this is great. I'm staying. And so you get kind of that confirmation here now, right? Yeah. And, and Jimmy hasn't left, you know, he's still around there. And I mean, it's some people, some people, you know, they're, they're coast. You did marry a Chicago girl, which I got to question that a little bit, but I'll, you know, we might be able to let it slide. So how is the, how, let me ask you this. Cause I'm sure I'm, I just, I see Ron as a, as a, uh, as a, not necessarily a world traveler, but maybe a, a stateside traveler. Um, because I'm real curious because I've, I've especially if, if your wife is from Chicago, what is better? Is it Chicago pizza or is it New York style? New York all day, every day. I, I, I am not a deep dish. Uh, I, I, it's, it's lasagna with a crust under it, man. I am not a fan. Um, I like to have that big slice and fold it in half. Oh yeah. I, I do like, um, no, I, I'm, not necessarily an emos fan because I haven't had it that often, but Listen, you're not, you're not missing a beat with me by saying that because <laughs> I know I've seen the exchange between you and uh, Tito on that one. Um, but there is a, a small Midwest chain called monocles and they have the square cuts mm-hmm. um, and it's a really thin crust. They don't use Provel, which I know emos does. Oh. Um, <laughs> I think that's the that's what gets everybody hung up that's not used to that taste. But I, I so much prefer uh New York style over Chicago, like all day, every day. No way. Yeah, see, I, I've had I've had, you know, I guess the Midwestern version of a New York style. I've never ventured off into the Chicago. The one time I went to Chicago, one of my good buddies went with me and he God bless him. <laughs> we were semi they got bless somebody that's not good no Go the, the dude was throwing a fit so we had to get dominoes and i i i to this day and granted this was years ago i bring it up all the time that we wasted an entire trip you know to to eat something that we have locally and um but i mean what right. does, does your does your wife like that style or does she like new york no. well, my wife's from Central Illinois too. She's from Bloomington, which is just uh, east of Peoria. Um, I met her because that's where, when I got out of the Marine Corps, I, I, I finished college and I went to Illinois State, which is in Normal, Illinois, which is Twin Cities with Bloomington. And so um, she's from there. And so she's not a Chicago girl. In fact, she grew up a St. Louis Cardinals fan. Um, her brother, um, Eric, uh, pitched in the St. Louis Cardinals organization. He was drafted out of SIU, mm-hmm. Southern Illinois. Uh, pitched up through Double A, and uh, when the Jeff Luno regime took over, they cut him. I want to say the year was maybe two thousand eight. So, so he so he pitched in Springfield then. He did. Yeah, that's that was his last place. He was in Triple A camp. I think the spring training of two thousand eight. Um, thought he was headed to you know Memphis. So and, he uh, probably, I would say he probably pitched in Springfield with Jason Mott. 
He did. Uh, Mott, well, he even before Springfield, Mott was his catcher. That's uh, listen. These, these are interesting facts. I will have to. I mean, I don't. I don't. You don't have to say his name, but um, I'm gonna have to get with you on that because I mean, that's that's whenever I first started going to Springfield games, obviously because they they were. I've had him, I've had him on. I've had him on uh, a podcast we used to do before um, under that uh, Cardinals Nation twenty four seven thing, but uh, uh, had him on before just to talk a little. Hey, what was that system like at that time? You know, it was kind of, you know, a Tony LaRussa. Um, uh, gosh, I forgot the GM's name all of a sudden. Um, Walt Jockety. Walt Jockety. Yeah, kind of regime. So it was different. And then Jeff Luno took over and, and you know, he, he made some changes like you would expect, right? When you hire an executive into any type of organization, they bring the people they want in and the philosophy they want in. And it was just, you know, it was a way the, Cookie crumbled, so to speak. But yeah, he pitched with, uh, you know, he played with people like uh, Brendan Frazier and, and and Mitchell Boggs. And, you know, those were people he knew. Um, I can't remember the guy's name who. Josh Kenny. Did he pitch with Josh Kenny? Kenny. And there was, um, gosh darn it. There was another guy that came up with them. Uh, St. Louis product or nearby. Um, uh, Kyle McClellan. Okay. Um, so he, he knows, he knows a lot of those guys. Blake, Blake uh, Hawksworth. Hawksworth. Yeah. So yeah, Ooh, man, we're, I, I don't. I didn't know this was going to be a history lesson tonight. I mean, that's all we've done. Three fourths of it has been a history lesson. Everything else, but uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully your fans don't. Uh, I don't tell them, tell them to fast forward over some of this stuff. No, I think some you need of to give them mile mile markers. Yeah. Hey, listen. If you don't like anything prior to two thousand five or six, yeah, I think you should probably just stop at this minute mark. Skip the middle forty minutes. Yeah. 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 There's 30 minutes of this that is extremely old fashioned and you won't understand maybe, but just stay with me. So how, how is there anybody, is there any team, honest to God, is there any team um, in the central division that worries you um, in 2021? You know what the Cubs always do? Um, because if you look at their core team, their position players, they still have a lot of talent there. And, and yes, they let like Kyle Schwarber go. Um, but they signed Jock Peterson mm-hmm. having a great spring. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, yes, they traded you Darvish away and Quintana's not with them anymore. Neither, neither is Tyler Chatwood who has never worried about to begin with, but you know, they have brought Jake Arietta back in a, in a territory he's more familiar with and quite frankly, excelled more than when he went to Philadelphia. Um, I think if you get the core of that team, the heart of that team, humming or, or somewhat back to form. I mean, they're, they're going to be as tough as they were last year and, and as tough as they've, they've ever been. And, and so the Cubs still have, you know, they still have names on that roster that if they produce can, can give you a lot of trouble. And so I, I in no way, even with the Arenado trade, well, I, if I'm forced to look at it hard, I probably just give the Cardinals a nod, but I don't give them a nod. Absolutely. Um, if they can't, if their rotation is questionable, um, if you know the other pieces of that lineup, if they can't get things going, um, the Cubs are going to be tough. I think they 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 have been and they will be, but I do think that this is the Cubs' last run. Oh yeah, much different team next year. Oh yeah, yeah, and I, I'm I'm I don't know what their contracts look like. Obviously, I'm not. I don't dig down deep into the Chicago Cub contract. Well, 
Baez and and uh, Bryant and Rizzo, all of them could potentially be free agents after this year. We they, the the belief is if you talk to most most fans, you listen to the media, is that Rizzo is likely to get extended. Um, I think just to have that player name there. Plus, he's you know he's been loyal to the organization and mm-hmm. name they don't want to lose. Um, Baez is is a little bit of a question right now where he might not have been before 2020. Bryant is absolutely gone, whether it's at the trade deadline or just in, you know, if they're, if they're out in front and they're looking good and they think they can have a chance to get by the Padres or Dodgers, they may hold on to him. But I I expect Bryant to probably end up in a different uniform at some point in 21. And I think most Cub fans would tell you the same thing. Yeah. I'd say, I'd say approaching the deadline, if if things aren't looking healthy for them, I think you may see an overhaul. Even if they are, even if they're, even if they're up by a game or two, I mean, you have to take a no bullshit look. If you're that organization and the position that they're in and you go, okay, great. So this is a black and blue division. We're all beating the hell out of each other. And none of us are, you know, 10 games over 500 at the deadline. I, I think you're going to see, like, we're not getting past the Dodgers. Even if we make it, we're not getting past them. We're not getting past the Padres. We're not getting past the Braves. And, and I think, I think you're going to see a lot of that this year, Matt Nils. I think you're going to see some organizations go, yeah, we can make it. We're not making it past first round. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I mean, I hate to say it, but especially with the Dodgers, it's kind of moved into the NBA super team type of thing. It's kind of, to me, right. and I'm saying this as a Cardinal fan, you know, living through 2004, I, I didn't really think it was like this then, but it, I mean, it's, it's just kind of, it's kind of gross to me. Um, you know, I mean, we had big names, but they weren't, you know, you know, prime players signing for X amount of dollars, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, to me, I, yeah, I'd say if anything's close, you're going to see the Cubs dump out. But, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if, to me, and, and I, I know you talk to more Cubs fans than I do, but I don't know if after the core is um, gone from Chicago, if, if Rizzo does stay, honestly. I'm saying that just honestly. Um, I think he'll want to. I think he's he's at a point in his career where, um, unless he just had such a bad experience or distaste, but you got to remember who's left there, right? Like uh, Jed Hoyer um, was the GM with the Padres. That, mm-hmm. that was with the organization, the Padres, when they drafted Rizzo, and he's the one that because he joined the Cubs, traded for him. So I think that relationship there is very strong. I think I think you're going to see Rizzo there extended. Well, um, but at the same time, I mean, yes, I mean, I think money is a lot of things, but I mean, for, I, I feel like, like Anthony Rizzo is one of those gamers at the same time. I mean, at once the core is gone, I mean, I think they've, they've, they've gone past their point, but I think Rizzo as, as a, as a human, as a ball player, knowing where that team is going to land, you know, I see him wanting to go somewhere else just to go for a ring. Um, and well, yeah, money talks and I could see that aspect of it. But I could see I could see him bouncing for a ring at the same time, and I I don't know where, but um, I mean, no, unless they have a showing this year that's so magical um, that they can't trade those guys away, you're going to see Chicago blown up, I think. But with that said, I still think up through July, I still think they could be pretty tough. You got a lot of guys in a walk here. You got Chris Bryant in a walk here. You got Baez in a walk here. What happens sometimes in a walk year is these uh-huh. guys perform like Marcelo Zuna did last year. Oh yeah. You know, you, you could run into something like that to where the Cubs are, are, are tough and they, they end up, you know, they could very well end up being the team to beat. Now they're weak. They're, they're Achilles 
Heal will be their bullpen. Um, their starters could actually shake out to be okay, um, but their bullpen is going to be where they're going to have a lot of questions, right? Even with Craig Kembrell, um, that name there, you know, uh, you know, what version of him are they going to get this year? And we don't quite know yet. Yeah, which isn't an issue for me, honestly. I I don't see. I mean, the the only. Obviously, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh aren't going to be any issue at all. You know, I mean, the Brewers really not. I, I mean, I, I, I forget a lot about the Cardinals – or sorry, the Cubs signing yeah. Jack Peterson. I forget about that frequently. Yeah, no, I, I, I remember it all the time because that's who my co-host on Two Birds was lobbying for the whole offseason. Um, was, well, was that a one-year deal or was it multi? It was a – I believe it was a one-year. I don't think he got a multi, but um, – you know, he's looking to, uh, you know, reestablish himself a little bit. And I think with the Cubs, he found an opportunity to be an everyday player, which I think they're going to play him every day, regardless of whether they're facing a lefty or righty. And I think that was the appeal of Chicago to him, um, which, which makes sense, right? The St. Louis wasn't, I mean, they probably, if they made him an offer at all, it's probably a low ball offer and, and said, you know, oh, yeah. you're going to, you're going to have you in there against <laughs> right-handed pitchers and that's about it. And it was going to be a part-time role. Not that appealing if you're trying to extend your career. Um, yeah. so, you know, I, I, look, I don't, I have no idea, Matt Nils, if that was their offer or not, if that would use the premise, I'm just guessing. But if, if that was, you can understand why he would have taken the Cubs offer. They pretty much offered him a starting role. So, well, yeah. And I mean, I think it, it would probably have been an odd deal too, but it, I don't know. That's, yeah. that's a headache thinking about, but, um, I think it shows, I hate to stray off on this, but I think it shows a lack of uh, of confidence in, in what we've got in the outfield as is. Just my thought on it. I could be wrong, but, I mean, if you're gunning for another outfielder and uh, just, I don't know. Well, I think it's the – for some, it's the fatigue of, hey, let's figure out what we've got in these guys. And for some of us, we feel like we kind of already know. Mm-hmm. And for others, like, no, the 2020 was a strange situation and we didn't get the test that we needed to perform on, on what we had. Right. And I think, I think the commitment to that to me was the Dexter Fowler trade. Right. And you, you said it earlier, they, they paid shit near damn near all of his salary to just move him out so they could create opportunity for Carlson and O'Neill and Bader and uh, Lane Thomas and Williams to, to see what they could do and to get them more playing time. They weren't going to be able to do that if they still had Fowler on the roster. So, Oh no. No, no, no. No. Well, I, we've talked forever. I'm sure people have actually quit listening at this point in time. But um, yeah. where can if, if people want to hear you talk again, what's what's your podcast called, and where can they where can they find your hot takes at? <laughs> well, I don't I don't know if I'm a hot taker or not, but uh, you can find me at Two Birds on a Bat and on Twitter. You can find it at Birds on a Bat Show. I do it show every tuesday ish um called ruffled feathers uh for them uh i do team arrivals podcast on thursdays uh live you can find that on periscope while it still exists um youtube facebook it's uh, team arrivals podcast uh, my handle on twitter is at tor underscore ron seven five awesome and and remember anybody who's looking for a badass card um go check out lj's custom cards at Sports Cards LJS. And um, you can find all of my other episodes and this one on iTunes, 
Google Podcasts and Spotify currently. Um, but other than that, let's get ready for the opening day. It's coming up and um, we'll catch you next time.